My name is Jack Oatway. And I'm Jay Oatway. And we would like to welcome you back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. It is the Dungeons and Dragons podcast where two generations, a father and son, uh, sit around and talk about the world's greatest role playing game. Yeah, world's greatest role playing game. And uh, this week we're talking about uh, 10 foot poles. Well, we're talking about magic items. But I want to talk about the the economy economy of Dungeons and Dragons first a little bit. Okay. Back in first edition, uh, we used to buy 10-foot poles. I don't even think you find them on item lists anymore, at least not the way you used to. And we needed them because back in those days, the 10-foot pole was the only way to properly check for traps without dying. Just use mage hand. But they were always one of those sort of like wonderful like items that even if you had on you, you could still like walk into a pub and not have a giant 10-foot pole sticking into your backpack. You'd think. <laughs> You'd think. It's one of those sort of just disappearing items. Yeah. A bit like the lance that Yasha pulled out in Critical Role this season. Do you remember just, that moment? Yeah, out of nowhere. Just throw it and he's like, you got a lance with you? Yeah. Where'd that come from? And then it just never brought up again. Yeah. But here's here's the crazy thing. So back in the day, because everybody was going after 10-foot poles, everybody knew their benefit was, was super, super good for what they were priced at. Mm-hmm. The price of them gradually worked its way up by... Uh, 3.5 edition uh they were selling for two silver pieces okay that seems kind of pricey maybe i don't know for a, a long stick yeah for a big stick um a 10 foot ladder however could be purchased according to the rules for just five copper pieces okay. so you could in theory uh buy a 10 foot ladder break it apart and have all for, the rungs. Yeah, you take, get rid of all the rungs. You keep the rungs, do what you want with the rungs, make them front firewood. But the, the side pieces would essentially be two 10-foot ten ten poles, poles uh, for, yeah. Quarter of the price. Less than. An, an eighth, eighth of the price. An eighth right? of the price. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, and then you could sell one for as a 10-foot pole pieces. for two silver pieces and come out way ahead. Jeez. Money making, like, that's, it, just make up characters that sit around and sell, that break 10-foot ladders into poles and sell them to adventurers outside dungeons. There's, there's a money-making scheme. My point with this, though, is that for a long time now, economy in D&D, in terms of what do we charge, how much for things, how much players are willing to pay for stuff, and then in other places, how much they will haggle over the r- most ridiculous prices, has always been a really wacky, weird part of the game. Yeah, and a part that I kind of like not to think about so much, I think we can both attest when it's like, well, how much does it cost? It's like, I don't know, um... And I just throw out some random number that seems like it should be pretty high. There they go. And I, if the players go, then I think, okay, good. That was expensive. And well, I the truth it is that as, expense to it, as players, we often don't stop and have cheap. a good look at, oh, well, what should things cost as but well? But it's kind of a nightmare to have to remember well, uh, all right that. On, well, there is like a little, I think, a little guide very quickly right inside of the DM screen. I don't care. I just want to be able to give like them that. a number. I just yeah. want to say this much. And then they say, okay. Sure. Well, okay. But you can also... Or haggle. Right. You can also recognize that someone can live quite comfortably um, on a couple gold pieces a day. Um, I think that was sort of... That's sort of the 
the or even one GP a day is a I think a modest lifestyle or something. So, so the idea that you should be buying shouldn't be you know spending that much on things. But we're not really here to talk today about the little things that you buy for small amounts of gold or silver. What we're looking at really now is trying to figure out when your players have you know gathered up lots and lots of gold. Especially this happens, you know, probably as you're getting more, you know, hero tier characters, you know, level eight to 10, they've, you know, for a while now been dragging around a bunch of gold. Um, Maybe they've somehow acquired a bag of holding. Um, Maybe you thought giving them a bag of holding was an inexpensive item that of little consequence. So, hey, why not? It's uncommon. Um, And we're going to look a little bit today at how these players, when they walk into a magic shop, uh, may or may not be getting super amazing deals if you just use the mat- the price list inside the, the Dungeon Master's Guide. Mm. Um, we will have a link to a spreadsheet uh, below this podcast, which I invite you all to check out. And in it, there's a... Um, there's a bunch of different columns in a spreadsheet that show all the different magic items, and then... An, a range of different prices from different sources online. Right. Did you compile it or someone else compiled um, it? Somebody else has compiled some of it. I'm adding to it. Uh, so it's sort of a, and I think the people who've been contributing to it, it's it's been put together by a bunch of different people over the ages. There's a group of lists, a, a list of prices on here um, that people may know from a resource called the Sane Price List, uh, the, or the Magic the same magic item price list, something like that. Um, and in, that list was published a few years back, a couple years back, in a response to the fact that many magic items that are out there are either really overpriced or really underpriced, often very underpriced. Um, there's also a second list that the internet loves uh, called the Discerning Merchant's Price Guide. Uh, also more regularly updated and available through the DMs Guild. Um, it too tries to come up with a range of prices on things that are makes a little bit more sense. Um, but it's different from the same guide. And if you go onto any magic item forum on Reddit, and I don't actually recommend you do so, you will see people pr- arguing over prices <laughs> as if they're actually haggling in a real marketplace to buy the damn things. But there, um, there is no there is no right or wrong answer for how much you charge your players for magic items, but it is uh. nice as a, as a dungeon master to have at least some sort of ballpark, uh, as to what something is valued at. Sure. I mean, often I just make up a number, but sometimes it can feel a little random or players will try and like call me out on inconsistencies and I'll be like, look, <laughs> you expect me to have know every single little price. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep a game running here. Well, that's just it. And the DM's guide was kind of was trying to say that as well. Like, it'd be like, oh, okay, you can put this in the 100 to $500 price point or a 500 to $5,000 price like, or dollar gold coin price range. Or, you know, uh, the prices go way up from there. You could go up to 50,000 gold pieces for things. And then Xanathar came along and Xanathar's guide's got a, another list on things. And it's like, Oh, it goes way up. It goes, oh, we can go from 50,000 to 300,000 on various things. And 
Xanathar often with charging was saying things should be worth a lot more than they are, which also then makes me wonder who's giving out this much gold in their campaigns. I mean, really, people. I mean, I, uh, it, again, what kind of currency are you using in your campaign system? I use silver and cobalt, depending on what place my players are at. Yeah. Like, and then that can get even more confusing. I, I mean, first of all, if you, if you're running a campaign where you want your players to have particular magic items, put those in there instead of the gold. Save yourself the hassle of the players going back to town and having to go shopping. Uh, shopping episodes will eat up maybe a whole session at your table. Um, they take a while to do sometimes, but sometimes players like to do it. They like to be saving up for things, things that are magical. Um, or maybe your fighter's purely just saving up for plate mail. Who knows? Um, it's, and it's fun in the game to actually have a bit of a collection of gold that you finally get to do something with. So yeah. even if you've been picking up small pieces of it along the way, you know, a hundred here, a couple hundred there, and before you know it, you've got a couple thousand sitting around. And you're like, eh. Or maybe the whole team pools their resources, and you're like, okay, we've got 6,000 gold. What can we buy for 6,000 gold? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I sort of thought maybe today we could go through a few of the outlier crazy magic items that uh, are either over or underpriced. Do you want to debate it? Or how about you say it? I'll guess what I think right, it should be worth. To, all right. We'll start. Let's start with some okay. like, let's start with kind of an easy one here. Um, so uncommon magic items typically get priced between 100 and 500 gold. Okay. Uh, and surprisingly, a bag of holding is an uncommon item. What do you well, think? Well, I don't think it's that surprising. It's like one of the first things you might get. It's like, you know, it's versatile, but it serves a very, you know, simple function to so, help you carry things. So what would you price it at? Maybe 300. Uh, the guides here tend to suggest 500, but the same price guide puts it at 4,000 gold. That's a lot more. That's a lot. And... I guess the question is like, why, why, why make it so expensive? Um, possibly just because of its ability to put stuff into a little pocket dimension, um, to be able to hide things, conceal things. And the fact that with it, your party can, your party can do all sorts of kind of amazing amounts of things of what they can carry and move and do stuff. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can be very creatively used uh in that capacity so uh do i think it should be worth four hundred four thousand would i charge that much i don't know i don't think so i i tend to give parties bags of holding even at some point or they find one in an interesting place mm. or on somebody or something like that um right but well, i uh, suppose that's it this is a, like accepting the idea that there is some magic shop yeah. in your world and, and actually as a dm dislike. as well if i if i've got players who are clanking around with lances and 10-foot poles I'm like, oh, those things are in your bag of holding. Yeah, it's it's it, like peace of mind. It's a, it's a game changer in the way that it fixes things. Yeah, um, but on, honestly, what you said there of people just finding magic items, I think sometimes that's some of the, like, depending on the setting, one of the smarter ways you can go about it, because that yeah. way you can give players what you feel they deserve rather than based on some liquidizable asset that yeah. they've acquired scrounging around smashing pots whatever right yeah absolutely and it's very video game-esque the idea of buying things with coins or gold or yeah. gems or doubloons or I whatever think, you have like, i think a little bit of it can be 
if you as a DM have been kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to run some, you know, some of the out of the box adventures, you know, make my life easy. I'm not going to do a lot of customization. We're just going to, we're just going to play, you know, whatever storm King's thunder or rise of the dragon queen or whatever. And my players are going to get the treasure that's in it. And in that, a lot of those pre-made adventures, there's just allotted piles of gold and stuff that they get. Boring. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, but hey, then at some point, you are going to do a little role play session, and you're going <laughs> to say, "Okay, and now you're in town, and I, here's a magic item." We're shop. gambling it all. Yeah, we're gambling. Put it all on red. Um. So here's a here's a little something you might find in a display case in your favorite magic store. Uh, a bead of force. Oh. It's a small black sphere measuring about three quarters of an inch in diameter and weighs about an ounce. Uh, I don't know what that is in metric. I have no idea. It's like, uh, like it's two, two centimeters and, a, you know, a few grams. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so typically uh, you find 1d4 plus four beads of force together. Are those um, the ones that put people in little bubble prisons? Yeah, as an action, uh, you throw the bead up to 60 feet, and the bead explodes on impact and is destroyed. Each creature within 10 feet of where the bead landed makes a dexterity save or takes 5d4 force damage. Kaboom! It's like a grenade, right? Yeah. Um, the sphere of transparent force then encloses the area bloop, for one minute, and any creature that fails the save... Uh, is completely within the area trapped inside the sphere uh so a single bead a single bead of that stuff right which i mean how powerful is that 5d4 damage i don't know but it's also how much restriction is that that's like well that's and then it's like yeah so 60 feet away good chance you could like bubble wrap somebody Mm. i'm thinking maybe i would put it no more than a thousand yeah, and you're right. I mean, the same same price guide is calling it 960. PM's guide says between 500 and 5,000, and the discerning merchants uh, price guide says 3,000. So there's a big discrepancy there, like thinking it's worth three times as much. Uh, it's a rare item, so you know. I mean, what if you you could had a funny concept use like different merchants throughout town is like each of these different lists you know and like some merchants are giving better deals and others absolutely and leverage and, that and, and if you, you just like give a name to say you want like, to maybe that's, that's if their you want to have if you want to have uh the players running back and forth between Shame. discerning's place and sane's place then they can um and if you like to do all that sort of role play and goof around with like different characters who are the merchants and the deals and scams and whatever they might be running against each other and the chance of i don't know pickpockets hitting the players in between every time they go between the two shops or i don't know you you this is D, right so sometimes yeah okay we're just gonna have a, a session this week where we buy stuff and it's dm it's low prep all you need is this price guide um you know what i mean like it's it can be a week off for you in a way if you're thinking okay well we sort of you know we've sort of ended one arc and i haven't really started another and they're in town and they've got some coin maybe i'll just say okay there's a magic shop here and then more or less for the you know for tonight's session when we play uh, you know it's 
it's easy for me. I just role play a couple merchants and we're. But sometimes I find store brand generic things boring. How should I make my own prices? Well, if I suppose. I'm making it, <laughs> yeah, and and there is a, a guide in the uh, back of the DM Dungeon Master's Guide that explains that. Okay, what uh, is it like at the very back or? Yeah, it's in the the DM's workshop. Oh right, we've talked about that section before in a two parter. Check that out. Yeah. That was a long time, maybe over a year ago now. Absolutely. But that was a, a good little two parter on some of the stuff on making your own custom things in D and D. Yeah, as it, it has Dungeon stuff Master back Sky. in there like how do you make like spells and how do you make monsters, items, monsters. There's got and... all sorts of stuff in there. Also, like a, a huge list of like what monster features can like mean if you boil them down to their base bones as well if you like want to think of certain you know even class features or magic item properties like super interesting you know or if you want to like add like create a random monster just like roll a couple d hundreds you know tack them on and you've got something kind of cool you know then give it some lore i mean that's how often i make colossal i mean i have my own little process i recommend you check out it's called the crasis with a k r a s i s i believe it's from ravnica I sort of appropriated it, tweaked its little stat block so that it was, I was able to just like use it as a, essentially a huge monster generator and literally huge as in size was the the concept. Um, And then I just created a couple tables of additional actions that they could have partly from crisis and partly from my own invention and other just features to tack on um, from, again, I believe crisis has some and as well that's things I made up, stuff from the DMG, etc., so that I can just roll randomly and create a monster. But that's besides the point. Well, I mean, it isn't. I mean, it, I suppose, a, like anything D&D, having a conversation regularly with your players, be it at the table or, you know, away from the table in between sessions, about what is it that the character needs or wants? What What mm. would be kind of the cool thing that would make their character, like a, a signature item that would really round out their character somehow um, and make them like kind of like the coolest version of themselves. And and not just to give that to them, but, you know, often that's great if that's part of a quest or if they have come back from a big quest and you didn't have a place where you could really place it, but, you know, they've acquired whatever through, maybe it was killing the big Colossus or whatever they've got, right. something that they've got to trade that maybe there's a person now they can trade that with, be it either at a store or with a, a well, noble family idea. or whatever. Mm, I suppose there's also the idea of commission work in a sort of sense yeah. where players can actually be you know, asked to do something which could include retrieving ingredients for creation of a magic like item. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, they're not necessarily and, creating and we the saw item. That, but... We saw that in Critical Role, um, mm. Pumat Souls, uh, Invulnerable Vagrant, magic shop is all about kind of custom work um, sure sure but even that's i mean even what i was more putting reference to is in uthodern they wanted to make the star, star razor and they had residuum crystals oh yeah and they were like all well, right you even, want me to make it then that was more of a special like x yeah. and please go out and retrieve this special yeah. ingredient through adventuring and i will make this for you you know is the idea yeah well and that's actually became a big like special ceremony you know, vibe as well, right? Yeah. It wasn't just buying something off the counter, but being a part of, of this creation, the forging of the thing, and creation yeah. of something amazing. And and I think that's a wonderful sort of experience to, to give your players mm. as well. Yeah. 
Um, it would come as no surprise to you that a cloak of displacement, oh, were you to buy it like that straight out of the expensive. DM's guide. No? Well, the DM's guide says it could be as 5, cheap 000. as 501 and maybe as expensive as 5,000. But I'll tell you right now, the cloak of displacement is one of the best pieces of armor it's pretty available good. in the game. Pretty um, good. It basically means that everybody who takes a shot at you has disadvantage to hit you. Until someone hits you and then right. it no longer works. So it has, it has some caveats, but the amount of misses it delivers to you. Uh, and how it just shuts down like rogues. Honestly, pick up the alert feet and throw this thing on and rogues will hate you. Especially assassins. Yeah, you, you're really, like, really hard to, to get. Um, and because it's such a game changer, the same price guide has put a, a bounty on this thing of 60,000 gold, uh, pricing it almost like a legendary item. That this, is, this thing should be out of reach of players, is essentially what the same <laughs> guide is saying. Um, well, why not? I like to give people powerful items from time to time. Well, I guess that's just it. It makes things fun. I guess that's just it. I think looking at a price list like this may also be just an educational process for dungeon masters out there. And maybe if you're listening to this and you hadn't really thought about how, not just in terms of rarity, but on top of that, are some of these items even more powerful than their rarity describes? Have a look at some of the ones that get extra prices high prices on them because that's going to give you a good indication that that item is super duper like game changing. Um, we're not going to say that it breaks the game because you'll always find a way to rebalance it. But in the process of, if you're not aware of how much it's going to break, uh, how much it's going to change the thing, it may feel broken to you for a bit as suddenly your monsters all come at this person wearing this cloak and you're like, Oh, Oh, I didn't hit them once. Oopsies. And this fights over in, you know, in two rounds, I'm suddenly like, oh, okay. And suddenly they have their cloaks stolen in the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate that as well. There's sort of a yeah, I know lack of mean. player agency if you just steal all their really good stuff. Like, it's such a hopeless feeling that you should only just take stuff away from players if there's, if there's like a... If there's a setup to it somehow, if they mm-hmm. know that there's people coming, enough. people hunting down their cloak, if they're after the cloak, you know what I mean? There should be a few couple close shaves with sure. it and before it just disappears. There should always be a or, chance to... between sessions, you tell the players that, hey guys, these cloaks are making combat feel, you know, a little unbalanced to me. Do you mind if we rework them or tweak them a little bit so that it's not so, you know, not so crazy? Yeah, uh, try to figure out a way to sort of work and around it. that could it. be then, uh, with the Displacer Cloak, what would you um, suggest? Like maybe it's a once per turn well, reaction put in uh, disadvantage? Maybe. I, I can, as a DM, I can find ways to grant advantage without having to bend the rules too much. It's um, true, but you don't want to make your monsters stronger just because your players get something. Well, you know, because the then ones the with advantage, without them, the ones with kind advantage, of like, oh, kind of need to target the the guy the with the guys. Yeah. but then still, I mean, it does it, feel like they're getting picked on, right? Very true. And plus, then everyone else who didn't get the displacer, displacer cloak suddenly feels like God. Fighting these things is something got a whole lot harder. <laughs> yeah, because of that damn cloak. Because of the damn cloak, you know. So almost it feels like. Getting a cool item is not worth it, you know? Yeah. Well, there's also other ways to do attack somebody, right? So instead of making a 
uh, just saving throw spell instead. Yeah, you use something that that yeah forces a saving throw. So just throw more creatures at them that have saving throw. Yeah, more more spell casting type things. More or things hordes with that like are or... just meant to burn through that until one of them eventually hits. Well, that's just it too. If you use mob rules and calculate how it's many true, it requires for automatic hits, then suddenly you're like, okay, well this I can displacer club, I can break the displacer club. Displacer club, with club that. does you know shield maybe a couple from coming in more than you yeah, think. Yeah, you'd would reduce the amount of damage they would have and work it out and then figure out about what point it would hit them and it's actually kind of a, like a funny case in mob because usually it, like the the amount that would typically hit is reduced but then once you're hit once it goes back to normal so yeah. that would be like almost kind of hard to a little harder to calculate with mob rules unless you're just well like, let's say more for the giving or yeah, less forgiving you, you just got to sort of work it out round by round about where you think the breaking point Weird. is and or you make a displacer cloak like a recharge like you have to use your action to put the the just like once it's been like lost its thing, you have to use your action to like to set it up again. Up. You know, exactly. It's the idea. Yeah, something like that maybe. Just like put a little bit more like okay, it's not like a free disadvantage forever. Or even know? a bonus action to re- to renew it or something. Sure, yeah, but it's like requires burning that something. Yeah, a little, to put it back up. Flip, it puts it into the action economy and exactly. Then, and but then again, it becomes a again, choice this, of do. You, we're not saying this. You have to do this. No, we're but just these suggesting. Are just suggestions, yeah. This is how if. You end up in a game where you where magic items have been given out because they're fun to give out. Yeah, and it's fun to have. I love to make but, custom magic items for my friends as well. I mean, uh, I can talk about and I love I love the ones that people are making, ones. like things like Griffin Saddlebag. Sure. Um, oh my, they but are some of them look, so like, nice. We got a we got hmm. a, a deck of those back at Christmas time. They're beautiful, fun to look at cards. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I mean, one of my friends, like um, someone asked, was like, they wanted something to do with spellcasters, and so I'm like, all right. I made a list of ingredients that they're, they're going to need if they want it. And they like just went out, did the whole quest and mission, classic hunting sort of thing, came back with all the ingredients. And, you know, by the next session, I'd drafted for them a little homebrew item sort of, you know, after discussing what they kind of wanted and talking with them about balance a little bit. And boom, you know, that feels suddenly maybe, maybe to me and them felt a lot more satisfying than just bag of holding, you know, or flame tongue. <laughs> Or plus one longsword. I mean, flame tongue's cool, but plus one longswords is like, this is, is this a magic item or is this a video game? Like, what's going on? You know? Yeah, I, I agree. There's a sort of there's something nicer if you if you just can take a second to think about the the sword, give it a name, give it a little bit of a description of what it looks like, make it look and sound interesting, give it a unique feature, like maybe or some... Or give the player a chance to name their magic item. I think it's yeah. always fun as well. Um, but if it's got a history or something like that that sure. connects to your story, or yeah, some I way guess. to sort of tie it in like that, and then they, they're carrying, you know, suddenly they're carrying the Flame Bane sure. instead of calling it a, you know, Fire Tongue Sword or whatever, or are you calling it, you know, Swift Killer, I don't know. You pick a better name. Um, and it's a plus one sword i mean it's it's still neater that it's you know that it's a it's a part of the story item rather than just your right video game enhancements of oh you now have a five percent better chance of hitting something yeah um, although simple. nobody nobody's against the five percent better chance of hitting something it's very true yeah i give us another example okay ivory goats Oh yeah, this was like a part of like a Fig- collection. The figurine of, of wondrous powers. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like figurines that do th- certain things, turn yeah. into animals. Usually, small little right? beasts. Um, the creature is friendly to you and your companions. It understands your languages. Oh wow! Uh, it exists for uh, 
the creature exists for a duration specific to each figurine. At the end of the duration, the creature reverts back to the thing. So they each have got sort of different powers. Does it like recharge or is it like a one time? Um, it's like once per day you can get a goat friend out, you know, or is it like uh, once and then done? It's no longer use, magical. If you use an action to speak the command word and throw the figurine to a point in the ground within six feet, the figurine becomes a living creature. And then it lasts uh, for a duration. Uh, and then it becomes mm -hmm. a figurine again. Its property can't be used for a certain amount of time has passed. That sort of varies per, per thing. That'd be cool to do as like a wizard familiar instead of like having someone a familiar. Mm. You just like take out like a little like wood thing you carved and throw it out and the sort like the, you know, porcelain, whatever you carved it out of wood, like animates and then but turns into your little familiar. So the the ivory ends, it of the ones in here, there's, there's things like golden lions and marble elephants, but it's the ivory goats that right. the price guides really call out uh as being incredibly undervalued and put a much higher price tag on so there's three different versions of the goats there's goats right. of traveling goats of travail and the goat of terror okay <laughs> so the goat of terror becomes a giant goat for three hours well that's well, not so, okay, that's whatever, not so crazy whatever. right you got three a giant goat like for a lot, but yeah so kind of a little, an odd sort of time frame for D D, but yeah um so you got this goat for part of a day uh the goat can't big, attack very big goat <laughs> you, a very big goat but you can uh remove it can't attack but you can remove its horns and use them as weapons what what so could you just like pluck them off yep i guess uh one horn becomes a plus one lance the other horn becomes a plus two longsword. Okay. <laughs> Removing a horn requires an action, and the weapons disappear, and the horns return when the goat reverts to its figurine form. That's funny. Uh, in addition, the goat radiates a 30-foot radius aura of terror while you're riding oh. it. Oh, okay. So you climb up onto its back, and with you pluck lance. off the thing with a lance, and you're riding around, and things are... are terrorized by you they got to make a dc wisdom 15 saving throw or be frightened um okay and then of course they can repeat their saving throw each turn and things um so look i've never seen this in a game but somebody has out there somebody has seen it in their game and word has spread that oh my god that is way more powerful than it's supposed to be so the DM's guide prices this somewhere between 500 and 5,000 gold, right? So if right. you were a generous DM and didn't really know, and somebody's like, I want to buy one of these like wondrous power figurines, a little goat maybe, and you'd be looking at it and probably thinking, oh, that's not so bad. Okay, rare item. Uh, all right, 2,000. Mm. Uh, and from that deal, I just got a plus two long sword, well, plus it, one lance. Which or, is actually quite good. Um, War of Terror and Giant Goat Friend for three and hours. Yeah, so whoever's played with this before is like, yep, nope. That is a 20,000 GP item. Like, there's Jeez. no way, you know, and you get a bit like, uh, okay, now that I've kind of read through it and thought about it, maybe you're right. Um, mm. So, yeah, the Obsidian Steed amongst those figurines which is uh a little bit different uh it turns into a nightmare uh horse oh, that's cool. for 24 hours not bad but you can only do that once every five days oh, um, I see. plus you can go ethereal with that can't you yeah you can they're quite quite amazing that's things. pretty cool um but apart from the fact that it's just a nightmare that you can sort of once per five days once a week pull out of your out of your pocket 
Um, the uh, same price guide on this one calls it, says it should be worth 128,000 gold. Whoa. Well, maybe. I mean... Really? For one party member, though. It's not like it's a whole like, flock that's a lot of, of them. Of, that's a lot of gold. Flock. I don't know where we're getting... What would you call things? a flock of nightmares? A, a herd of nightmares? Uh... Fever dream. I don't know. Um, yeah, a. I'm, I'm not even sure what a group of horses is called now that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. Hold on. <laughs> Important research. Beep, 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 beep. Horses. It's called a team. Yeah, I suppose if you're like uh, running them together. A rag, a stud, a string. Hmm. Hmm. A herd. A herd. I guess a herd. It's probably a herd. A herd of nightmares still seems crazy. No. Anyways, um, but 128,000 is a lot of gold for a nightmare. Um, but obviously, again, somebody has seen this in play and decided, yeah, that that's a lot. Um, I often think these prices are kind of big, though, right? Like, this is there's a lot of gold being handed out in D&D if people can afford this stuff. Now, uh, some some of the the forums out there they say, okay, well, these are items that your character when they're like level fifteen, level sixteen, right? Um, you know, at that point in the game, they do have that sort of wealth. You are getting you know pots of gold that are that big, um, and maybe maybe they are. Maybe they do need something to spend it on. I don't know. It uh, it does seem to me that that some of the high price items in here are. Probably things that, yeah, you're not going to find at your local shop. <laughs> um, however, this one on here that my party purchased in one of its, uh, in a homebrew, homebrew uh, world, a friend of mine runs, uh, we had a little bit of a heist sort of thing that we ran, uh, kind of Ocean's Eleven style. And after working out, spending like seriously two sessions at the table working out how we were going to do it, um, we we decided that an uh, we needed an Im an immovable rod and so the dm did a little roll to see if we could find one in town sure enough we could and he priced it at the upper range of what the dm's guide listed it at which was 500 gold honestly that is such a deal at yeah. 500 gold buy two of them <laughs> Yeah, movable rods are crazy. Uh, and the same price guide, obviously, they too have seen the light. Say, yeah, that should be five thousand. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it, it. To be honest, it is such a powerful item, such an incredibly powerful item. Um, we used it to uh, keep a trap door from opening forever. Yeah, I mean. Unless someone clicks the little button, right? Uh, but even that has to be by the person who sets it, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I mean, they're kind of lethal. I mean, I know stories from, like, XP to Level 3, that remember, that YouTube channel where they had, like, they wanted to hold a prisoner down on an airship with an immovable rod, but forgot that the immovable rod wouldn't move with the airship. <laughs> so well, it's just, that's a funny way to think of it, too. Is it's, is it's immovability no, of course, relative it's, it's just to the space. planet? Uh, to the oh I guess no it's just like that oh wow huh interesting I suppose right, it goes what, off the idea that D&D at what, &D at what is level it, is it fixed is it fixed to that piece of whatever it's touching <laughs> or is it fixed in space and time because then it would just disappear right <laughs> theoretically if you're like zoomed off thinking, into the universe oh, someplace God. 
Um, so it's interesting, funny in that game that they thought, no, it'll be stationary relative to... Well, because then if, why would it move with an airship? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it'll be stuck. Why would it... it yeah, I mean, it's... The immovability it's idea like it's is like... It's moving with a car or anything. Well, the just, idea like, is... Well, I sort of think it's what you, no? you place it on, it stays where it's placed. No, it would. It just stays fixed in in space and time. In that, not in space and time, but on that <laughs> on the planet. Um, on that sp- not time either. So I guess it says until you or another creature uses an action to push the button again, the rod doesn't move. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think theoretically, another creature could just right. Um, turn it off. I guess it, it does seem like. Uh, Put another movable rod it over does. the button that allows you to turn it on and off. Mm. Ooh, sovereign glue. Well, this is it just it. Like I sort of feel on. that. Um, yeah, I sort of feel like the way our DM was saying it was that they couldn't. Like others came to try and and use it and couldn't. Um, so you maybe hear about he was that girl who sovereign glued her hair. So maybe <laughs> like sovereign glued your hair, like the gorilla glue girl. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I sort of feel like. Movable rods a little bit up to you, you as a DM to decide how you want to use it, but uh, clearly there's a warning on here saying, yeah, it, it its powers may be more than you think. Speaking of, how much is Sovereign Glue? Uh, I've got it on here somewhere. I'm gonna be Q R. Oh, I have it. Oh wow, that's pretty cheap. I thought it would be more. <laughs> Wow, same price guide has it very low for <laughs> its suggested price. <laughs> What's its suggested price? It's in the DMG. It says it should be at least fifty thousand or more. Yeah. Xanathar's guide it should be no more than three hundred thousand gold, given that it's a legendary item. But same price has it at four hundred gold pieces. <laughs> yeah, and Sane puts universal solvent, the one thing in the universe that can stop it, mm. at three hundred. So even cheaper. So whoever's run running, whoever's writing those prices were like, yeah, this is dumb. If people are going to use this stuff, we're going to be so it's, we're going to fight, make it more uh, available. It's useful though. I mean, down to the hardware a, store to me as useful as a ro- immovable rod is, mm. you know? Yeah. And actually this discerning merchant price guild also drops its 50,000 price down to just 5,000. Um, and yeah, actually it's more, in some ways more useful than the immovable rod mm. um yeah i mean because it's, it's it's like a rod is like you can maybe hold things down use it as like a rung well it's, and that's I suppose that was like our thought that. too like True. somebody that, could just push that. the button and, and open it up from the outside but we knew that people wouldn't be coming to the outside of it too soon so right. it basically sat on above a trap door was activated above a trap door and because it was unmovable they couldn't push the trap door open Right. Right. It became basically a way to bar, bar a trap door that didn't naturally have a bar sort of on it. And we couldn't be like, you know, constructing or banging one. We needed to be able to very quietly and subtly secure that exit so that nobody could get escape that way. Mm. Um, and for 500 GP, it seemed like a really good way to solve that problem. Yeah. But this is even cheaper. 400 GP. Yeah, just glue the dang thing shut. The discerning merchants has five thousand. Hmm, interesting. Can your familiar deliver sovereign glue to a trapdoor though? Sure, why not? Yeah, just, just to a, squeeze the little bottle. Squeeze the little bottle and glue it shut. I mean, depends what your familiar is. If it's like a an owl, 
if it's a maybe not maybe talents are harder to do that with but if it's a little monkey for sure i don't think it can be a monkey though can it i don't know uh i don't know opposable opposable thumbs prehensile tails baboon can it be i don't think it can be a monkey nothing although it should be why can't it be monkey come on this is D and D, goddammit. If my wizard wants a monkey, they should have a monkey. Yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't see what the major issue with that would be, honestly. Yeah. So there's another interesting item on here. Um a weapon of warning. Oh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an uncommon item that requires attunement. Uh the magic weapon warns when you are in danger. And it's kind of straight out of Tolkien's The Hobbit, you know, uh where you know, uh Bilbo's little sword would light up when the mm. orcs would get near him um it basically while the weapon is on your person you advantage on initiative rolls which is kind of good i guess right yeah um in addition you and any of your companions within 30 feet of you can't, can't be, surprised. be surprised it's kind of nice which is great but i mean again doesn't i mean does it really happen that often i don't know um the we- magic weapon and i like this one actually this is like saves you uh on your long rests the mm. weapon magically awakens you and your companions within range if any of you are sleeping naturally when combat begins that's great I yeah mean, you don't have to you, set uh, watches and deal mm. with all that stuff you're just done yeah it is your watch essentially yep uh and but so because of that it's got very varying very varying price <laughs> got varying prices sometimes like it should only be according to the dm's guide worth no more than 500 gold and the discerning merchants put it at 400 at the upper end of that for some reason sane prices they put it at an insane at seemingly. a very insane sixty thousand gold yeah what why would you think they would do that what about that item know. do you think is so special maybe it breaks the whole ambush it kind of does i mean like, like if it just you're breaks if, if you're a dungeon master who's trying to like jump your party especially at and night all this just completely shuts anything down because yeah. you can't be surprised yeah, absolutely and um, none of your party can be surprised even if you use like the new like only some creature only you know it's just like it doesn't work at all yeah i mean it wakes everybody up which is kind of interesting yeah give this to one of your baddies and your players will hate you <laughs> yeah it's because you can't get the drop on any on anyone i mean again another great way to shut down assassins no one can be surprised, so you can't get your assassinate crits. F- super frustrating. Yeah, I mean, but it doesn't really do. It doesn't do any extra good damage. For it doesn't. It doesn't hurt. You know, do anything. Scouts maybe doesn't do anything particularly special apart from simply warning you. Yeah, uh, and it does. And interestingly enough, they list that it could be a crossbow. It could sure. be something, a bow or something. It doesn't have to be a, a sword be or something. It's just anything that just a net. What you got in your bag? It wakes you up. <laughs> net of the net of warning. Um, if you're like one of those crazy magic shops that's sort of like also is partly a gag shop. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's actually useful. So anyway, so those, one. those are a couple that I wanted to sort of highlight as, as sort of looked at as sort of out of, you know, that sort of out of the usual price range of things. Um, but anyway, so we do have a link to this uh, this document sort of the end in below our podcast here um, in our links, so you can check that out for yourself. All right, let's do, a little, let's do a little. I think it's just great mm-hmm. if like if players do walk into a store and 
or even to give this sort of list to players as well, sort of saying they may not have everything on this list, but if you were kind of thinking about shopping, the nice thing about this list, you can also sort the price, sort it on here by price. So you can sort of think, okay, well, show me all the the prices between one and two thousand gold, and yeah, exactly. Or I can even make it something for the players that's about that range, I'm knowing how much this. gold they have on it on them, and say, okay, those are all the sort of items that are in the price range they could afford. So let's just put those things in the store. Yeah, I... and then they can decide on the stuff that they can afford. Mm. And you know what I think should come with every single fun. magic item: a little description of how you describe it in the world that isn't just statistical stuff well, maybe we should add that to our list of things our patreon uh, honestly it would be so useful because the amount of times i've like we've gone magic item shopping and someone goes cool what does it do all right and i go well it, in in my like whatever voice it offers you a mm, uh yeah plus two it becomes video it's game like, game. Ugh, all right well you know? all right like well, how that, can i like we I'm need adding, like right adding up. that to mm. our list of of write-ups that uh yeah magic so, item write ups that yeah. aren't that don't just describe yeah, you know yeah. what they look like although they can include that but actually like how like a shopkeep would describe what it does without using words like plus two ac resistance yeah absolutely advantage and, and if you're listening to this now and there's other write-ups or descriptions that you might be interested in that can um, just include key terms let us even. let us know at uh, like dragon like sun at gmail.com uh, send us drop an email sure. uh, we're looking at at trying to set up a uh, Patreon. Oh yeah, yeah, page yeah. where I will use my amazing writer powers to to do these sort of descriptions. And you may see fun homebrew from us as yeah. well. Um, so the things that are coming this summer uh, that we hope to set use some time uh, to some of our extra time to work on. Um, so yeah, let us know if there's anything else that you'd uh, like to see us write up i'd be happy to go through i mean get me wrong like there's a long list of magic items here like there's a thousand magic items to do write-ups for so i don't know how many of those a week we could do but you know for for certain tiers of patreons uh patrons uh i'd be happy to to do my best magic items or things that we're making as well because there's god knows i've made revised wizard i've made revised sorcerer sure. stuff i mean who knows i might put that up on there well yeah, and we'll do links in the links into uh we always like to provide links into D beyond to the stuff absolutely, as well so that absolutely. you don't have to do the work to recreate i mean licensing them. we'll have to figure out as well but i'm sure it'll we'll figure it out thank you for joining us this week before we leave let's do one quiz round each on magic item give a brief description of what it does it's rarity and the DMG price, and then what you think one of our sources lists it at, or what you would price it at. Even. All right. So pick one. I'll pick one as well. Okay. So you walk right. into the store. Yeah, go on. And uh, we're actually, perhaps you even see it in the, the window as you approach the front of the store. They've got a beautiful display set up uh, with a little mannequin uh, sort of halfling sized mannequin hovering oh. uh, in the window display uh, leaping through the air sort of in flight holding their little bow and arrow and on the feet are these beautiful gold and brown leather boots with tiny wings upon the heels that flap that seem to be keeping the mannequin in the air pretty amazing looking items and this little science is sail next to them inquire within Ooh, okay. So, I'm assuming these are the winged boots. They are. They are rare? 
Uh, these are an uncommon. They're uncommon. Wow. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Jeez. What's the DMG price? Uh, so, well, yeah. actually, before you reveal as, that, as what a, would I price as them a, at? As a, yeah, as a player, not mm-hmm. knowing what they'd be worth, um, what would your heart sort of tell you that you'd be like, thinking, gosh. Hmm. I mean, I'd hope for something under 2,000. I think at most, if I had the funds for it, I'd pay 2,000 gold. But All right, so just so you know uh, that these, while you're wearing these boots, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. It's not bad. You can use these boots to fly up to four hours. Okay. All at once or in several short flights. Per day. Uh, yeah, each using a minimum of one minute of flight time. Well, it's only a 30-foot flying speed. That's not too bad. Yeah, maybe I'll put this... Maybe one, I'd want it at, at a thousand. One I'll, minute, one minute still ten rounds, thousand, maybe, if you're using them in, in a fight. Um, so that's you know, a lot of usage out of them. Yeah, I think still 2,000 um, is my upper the end The boots here. regain two hours of flying capability for every 12 hours that they aren't in use. So okay. every long rest, you pretty much put two hours back on Well, them. not really, but... Well... Your players typically every day if you don't use them you could put back four hours you could recharge the whole thing yeah you could you theoretically could. um so it's possible to sort of there's a bit of juggling of that but anyways they are essentially a lot of flying a lot of time also means that yeah if you do fall off of something really high up um you don't die yeah it's kind of nice yeah there's that too it's very true i will say i will pay two thousand at most That's... for this the storekeeper likes likes where you're starting because if they were uh, to pull out their dungeon master's guide and have a little like to 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 flip do through here dm's guide would say oh yeah it's a uncommon item so no more than 500 gold mm. and clearly that is an amazing item for yeah. 500 gold pretty good yeah i like again buy two pairs <laughs> uh and yeah so even both the discerning Merchant's price guide and the same price guide crank that up. Uh, so pricing it somewhere between five and eight thousand gold. Jeez. And I don't think they're too wrong on that. Like they're those are pretty good items, giving essentially granting flight speed to a, a player. Like a not player bad. Character. Not bad. All right. Here's my offer to you. You walk in the shop, and as you enter, you hear a as toxic gas. <laughs> is released all around you. You start oh, oh, yeah, I tell choking. You, if I had a gold piece for every time that happened in a merchant store, yeah. honestly, I'd probably have a platinum piece by now. You start choking, and the shopkeep runs around and put this is, puts this around your neck. and <laughs> Puts it around my neck? You're fine. Or around my whole head. Oh, no, it's around your neck. Just around my neck. Around your neck. They put this gold-looking ring almost, not fully choker, but almost imagine like a sort of, a U-shaped object around the back of your neck right. as if a collar, right? Okay. With little dangling bits at the end of it, right? Both cool. And you <gasps> breathe in, still surrounded in the toxic smoke, but you're breathing fine. This is a necklace of adaptation. Yeah, I've, I've looked at that one before. I, I quite like it. Um, I think that's, that's probably... It's an uncommon, uh, uncommon item for your reference. Uh, so yeah, so the DM's guide would probably say it's only worth like 500. It's probably worth a lot more than that, frankly. Um, cause it would let you go underwater. It would let you, mm, does uh, it? I think you can breathe. You can, oh yeah, breathe normally in literally any environment. Yeah. yeah so vacuum, poisonous gas, underwater, um, whatever. Uh, 
which again, I don't know how much that really comes up. Per Additionally, se, though, but... check this out. You have advantage on saving throws made against ha- harmful gases and vapors. You should think, okay, maybe cloud kill makes sense, stinking cloud makes sense, inhaled poisons, and breath weapons of some dragons, it says. Mm. So you could be a little creative and say, DM, does this work Wasn't against there... this harmful gas slash vapor? Isn't there a sleeping one? Dragon yeah, that so maybe you get advantage against that, things like that. Any sort of gases or vapors that would be dangerous, boom. So yeah. given un- all of that, how much, I mean... Uh, Honestly, though, I mean, upper end, which yeah, gosh, again, I suppose it would come down to knowing, knowing that you're going to, if you had an adventure where you were on boats or Or, if you knew you were going to be in uh, some sort of environment that's hard to breathe, Mm. I, yeah, my, my value on it would increase enormously, but yeah, I probably would be no more than three or 4,000 for that. Yeah. I mean, people will be very happy with that. Same price as 1,500. DMPG, which is, I believe, the starting merchant says 450, and DMG says 100 to 500. Yeah, uh, maybe I've overpriced that a lot then. Yeah. But again, I sort of, I'm trying to imagine. But you're imagining a situation where. But I'm imagining an environment right? like, sure. okay, you're going to Atlantis. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, and I know there's uh, probably other like things of like water breathing and stuff that might be better. Um, but yeah, yeah. Or like a cap of, or again, not cape, it's like a cloak of the manta ray, probably but, way But then better, again, but in, in an environment like... Uh, the Underdark, maybe I don't there know. are more spory, vapory type things, I don't know. But yeah, some settings... Elemental plane of some, fire, some I know can like be smoky, not, but... If I'm playing Icewind Dale? Uh, yeah. Maybe the air's thin, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. It does, it, like I said, there's certain environments where i It's useful in be, my wildlands, because the subterraneans are very... Much so, spore. But you're saying it's only advantage dangerous. on saves, where it lets you breathe in any environment. So I well, almost sure, sort of you be thinking, breathe in any environment. But I suppose exposure to deadly toxic. Gases. I suppose the idea would be maybe it takes a second to kick in, and some sort of thing, gases might get past. Right, it or the, but the, the fact that you can breathe. I mean, some places you can't even breathe, yeah, right? Or you exactly. can breathe in any environment. I'm sure many astronauts would love an item like that. It is a vacuum space travel sort of thing. Yeah, but. Nevertheless, we have been like Dragon Like Sun. I hope we're going to put this in the link, right? Yeah, links Check are it in out. the description below. Maybe use it in your game. Get out there. Get do take your players shopping. Everybody loves a shopping trip. Sure, downtime activities. Send let them let them ask for magic items. Give them something. Don't give them cursed magic items. <laughs> Don't sell people cursed magic items. No, it just does. They can maybe find them in like a right place, but like make the curse creative. Yeah. Like make it like an exploration or role play thing. Don't make it like a minus one or like a like no one that's not fun. You know, especially if you can't break attunement or like anything like that. It kinda just sucks. But Hey, maybe the curse comes in like the practicality of it, you know? Like maybe there's no statistical curse or anything even on it, but even the it just comes embedded within you know, some stuff that it requires. But I don't take know. them shopping for nice exactly. things. Sure. Let them buy ice cream. Maybe they get a free ice, ice cream ice for cream. every 500 gold they spend. I don't ice know. Ice cream feeling. Loyalty reward points at the store. Have fun with your stores. Have fun with your merchants. Exactly. Um, have a good time with this. This is uh, supposed to be fun. And yeah, if anything, probably err on, err on the lower side of prices. That's what I often do. And, uh, and don't mix up your currencies. There's so many times where I've said like, Something, something, something in silver pieces when really I mean gold pieces. And I'm like, eek. And I have to like say, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Gold pieces or 
some other thing, right? Thank you for joining us. We've been like Dragon Like Sun, and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.